where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Lat B MMA Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Emmanuel, here with the best hocos, co-hostess I could hope for, Chaney. And we're getting into some more fights this weekend, and then some more after that. It has been fun to be an MMA fan lately. How have you been, Chaney? So definitely always getting some production value working with all of this. And uh, it's getting a lot better every single time we're on here. And we're going to have a lot of time to practice because, again, I I was looking at the registered cards coming up. And uh, we got some stacked all the way to 252 International Fight Week or 251 pay-per-view. Three belts, one night. Unbelievable. We have tons of shows before that. So, <laughs> so we're working out all the wrinkles. It's all good. Definitely nothing too big there. But uh, I'm, I would need a drink after finding out how many of these unbelievable matchups we've been getting lately. What's one that you've seen that's really piqued your interest other than those main belt ones? that is so much fun i totally agree i can't wait for that bout interesting dynamic i'm really surprised that daniel hooker's talking a lot of uh a lot of stuff in there i thought he was a pretty mellow calm down guy and poirier is i would think one of the few guys that you're just like all right, man, let's just go compete because if he's mad at you, he'll break your jaw. Ask them Louisiana boys. Is that who you have in it going in as Poirier? Right. I think I like Poirier in that spot. Just look at what Edson Barbosa did at 55, the poker. At, um, yeah, would you, would, you have, would you have Poirier against Barbosa? Yeah, probably. He just seems like he can go hard the whole time. He's going to be able to put on the whole entire time. Proving it time and time again, yeah. And the guys With that, the gnarly ground game. And Hooker is kind of, um, he he's beating legit dudes. He, he's he's kind of uh, one of those guys that's in a lot of early wars in his career. Totally. He's got highlights. He knocked out the title contender in Dorino Burns with a beautiful knee at 155 pounds, one of his first bouts at that division. So he's definitely got the talent. It's a big step up. City Kickboxing's been on a tear, though, with Volkanovski. Max 2 also being officially confirmed. Uh, they're kind of on all cylinders right now, really going at it. So interesting. 
dynamics we're going to have going into all of these weeks coming up. The short notice, yes, island, not really an island, but they're closing off 10 miles of the perimeter before you can even get to the arena. Did you hear much about that on the island or structure? It's crazy. It's, it looks like they get their whole own resort to themselves. More than a resort. Do they have little plastic cubicles that they get to work out in? Did I see that? Is that for reals? Um, I didn't get to look at any of the details. I just saw how big it was from afar. And I was like, holy oh, no, moly. There's like flat benches with an entire plexiglass box around them. So like they can jog in place in a box next to each other in the gym is kind of what I saw. We'll see. <laughs> I would be claustrophobic. I'd be like, I'm, it's a hot box. Like it's going to get too hot. I couldn't do it. No, thank you. I feel like I'd get sick just being in one of those. So, so and that is UFC 5-1 will be the first Fight Island fight. I believe that is correct. I know that they're already talking about travel. They're already planning. They're already getting a lot of existential structures, things uh, up and built and ready to go. It's really going to alleviate a lot of these American fighters we've seen fighting for the third time coming onto this fight card already in the last few weeks. And it's because the talent pool is so diminished uh, because of the international travel. So we're going to watch a lot of international fighters uh, definitely getting a chance, all those UK boys, everyone else, Russian, <laughs> Russian UK, <laughs> some New Zealanders. I know, just everybody else getting a shot because America has been taken up in spaces or anyone Absolutely. that was lucky enough to get trapped in America during COVID because there's been, you know, obviously Very other fighters from other nations. There is American fighters that are leaving the States to go over to Yasso. They still aren't limited as much as the other ones, I would guess. But still, a narrative that needs to play in this MMA world. I feel like I've heard this argument a bit, and I feel like it definitely has to be taken into occasion that these fighters that are fighting in these three- and four-week time frames, there's kind of almost got to be an asterisk to their performances because it's such unique situations where they wouldn't be getting these fights so close to back-to-back, but advantageous fights, short notice, it's just... And just, yeah, like at least 40, 50, 60 fighters that have taken fights on less than 14 days notice is pretty insane. The missing weight has been unbelievable. I know that people like, you know, time frames, a lot longer time frames to get down to weight, but don't sign the contract if it takes you 12 weeks to get to weight. And then you take a three week fight. It's like, we'll take it a weight class up, which we're seeing a ton of catch weight fights, but don't come in. 0.25 0.25 over. And I love that the <laughs> UFC is doing the catchweight fights. Me too. It's such a good idea. They should just a make more of 60? it. Just put a belt at 60. Uh, next couple guys that fight at 60, put a belt on it. If Why we agree stop? on it, if we agree on it, they should, and, and a commission will okay it, then obvi- I think it should happen. Give me Absolutely. more. Give me more. Absolutely. Well, some more this weekend is going to be in UFC Vegas 3. I don't know what the official tag there is, but as we were saying with this asterisk in this post-COVID world, uh, there's a lot of short notice replacements. And I feel like this has happened two or three weeks in a row now where we'll drop this podcast and fights will fall out and guys will step in and it's like, hey, you got two days notice. 
So how do you feel like you're going to, can you play for that? Can you prepare for that? I'm going to be honest. I feel like since uh, these fights have all been happening on short notice, I am losing my grip on the Fight Pick Championship. <laughs> I am losing my grip. It is not giving me the short notice replacements and the move around of where they're at on the fight card and um, not being able to really think about the fights happening for a long period of time. And usually we get all the footage of them beforehand or you watch their Instagram leading up to it. None of that. It's just... Yeah, it's all crammed in. It's craps. So it's definitely going to be uh, a winning weekend, I feel like, overall, because we got a actual headliner that seems really fun in Curtis Blades, Reza, himself getting in there against Alexander Volkanovsky. Not Volkov. <laughs> but uh, either way, it's going to be a hell of a headlining of out here on ESPN but you know we always start from the bottom to the top and it's going to start with a short notice replacement Max Rufkus no nickname so Max in there's coming in against the veteran Austin Hubbard at 155 pounds ended up watching some tape on this young man who is a perfect 5 and 0 as a pro fighter he is a D1 wrestler I think has Can some I national credentials in there for anyone Please. that misses our um, recap you can always get those at the Fights of the Roundtable. You can find that um, at anywhere that you follow us. And uh, we do it immediately after the fights with a couple of the other good peeps from the Fight Pig Championship. Oh, and sure. so I just want people, if they're missing our recap, uh, they can check us out there. And I didn't know if you wanted to have a spot. Is there anything that you would change about your recap that you gave there? sitting on it in the week or is everything still pretty much the same yeah i don't think too much changed other than i don't like jessica i that much more so yeah okay all right sorry to interrupt i just wanted to remind the people about the fights of the round table i think it's over also it is definitely a good one to get into if you want to catch all that other stuff but hitting hard i feel like it's just week after week i as soon as sunday hits monday hits i'm like watching tape, getting into this, and uh, it just feels like a hamster wheel, in a good way, in the best way, because I'm busy. Those three weeks a month, woo, woo, I was itchy. I was itchy for sure, so Max in here is definitely a fun fighter, fighting at the Titan FC, has multiple submission wins, was a D1 wrestler. Serviceable striking, has a bit of power, is 25 years old. Uh, really liked his ground game. Even saw some of his wrestling matches. You know how I am about them hips. <laughs> <laughs> and this young man definitely has them. Really liked his flow on top. I just feel like eight days, nine days short notice against an actual veteran in Austin Hubbard, who is 11 and four, lost twice in the UFC, but against legitimate prospects in Davi Ramos and Marco Madsen, beating Kyle Propolek. Uh, the also LFA standout Hubbard is the just less flashier guy, but much more consistent as we've been able to just watch him go to decision multiple times. We haven't seen Max in here go into that second and third round in any of these fights. He's really able to get the submission fast with a lot of control, but these are regional guys. UFC's a big step up, and Hubbard's definitely that step up. I want to pick Smack. I want to pick... Uh, the short notice replacement I did last week with Adeshev. That didn't work out so much for me. So I'm going to stick with Austin Hubbard in the decision. 
I'm going to have a little bit of exposure because last week as well, couple weeks, these first fights, 100 points is coming up on DK with them. It's because they're mismatches because they're always short notice replacements. So that's my takeaway from this spot. What do you think you're going to do here? I know everything should just tell me stick with what I know, stick with what I know, stick with what I know. But the first fight, I'm going to stay away from this all the all together, but I'm going to go with uh, Max. Uh, he seems to have a lot of hype behind him. He only has five real fights, but Matthew Hubbard really hasn't done anything in the UFC to make me all that excited about him except get submitted. So if you're going against a guy who submits, I I can see that you just having trouble the whole time. So I'm, I'm, I'm only going to go with decision uh, for Rokoff, but I'm going to stay away from this altogether. On DraftKings, you're going to get the short notice replacement as the favorite with 8,400 on DraftKings against Hubbard, 7,800. The actual betting line right now for that one is going to be Hubbard is the plus 155 underdog against mm. Max is minus 175. A ton of respect coming in. He is good on the ground and he has good takedowns. Maybe I'm seeing some, maybe I'm not seeing something here in the tape. I thought he looked really, really good, but None of them were UFC guys, so. I could be totally wrong, but another thing that I'm noticing is uh, the odds makers are 99% of the fight time wrong about the first fight of the night. <laughs> it always seems to go the <laughs> other way, and they always usually have it a huge favorite one way, and then it always goes the other way. Uh, I think the odds, I could see what they opened up at here for that fight it was actually a minus 110 hubbard and the betters came in and betted all the way to plus 155 so they opened it as a coin flip of a fight i could see that's much more comfortable than where it's at right now for me i don't think i can make a bet on this short notice of a fight especially being the first one of the night among many fun fights here at a hunt anything left on that one at 155 nada do you think you're going to actually play it on drafting? Sorry about that. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I'm going to big, fat, stay away. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up having a little bit of Mark Max in there for 8-4. He's cheap enough, and he's the one that's more likely to finish out of two fighters. I don't think I think I'm going to stay away from Hubbard, even though that's my actual pick uh, as far as DraftKings is concerned with the viability there. Hubbard's kind of a decision fighter. Then we move on to 125 pounds where we have Roxanne Modferi, Juice's number one girl, coming in with one of the plays of the year against, who's her name? Ashley Brooks. What was her damn name? Misha Barber? Misha. <laughs> so, Misha Barber. <laughs> so uh, coming in against Lauren Murphy, also a longtime veteran. Lucky Lauren in there is 12-4, and four, coming off of a two-fight winning streak against Maro Barella, TKO 10 months ago. And then four months ago, beating Andrea Lee in a controversial split decision, the takedowns really played a role in that fight. And that's something she's going to need to rely on here a lot. She has a loss over Sajara Eubanks, only beating Barb Honchank in there as well, losing to Montano for that spot in the tough house. Murphy's just one of those grinding girls that uh, Eddie Alvarez had a big issue with, I feel like. that A lot of ladies didn't like Lauren Murphy in the tough house because she was kind of our tuned to our play to her own tune and uh either way she was a this trump, is going to be a reason she was a trump supporter 
<laughs> I don't know about that. But she definitely has uh, been training with another fighter that we're going to talk about later in Courtney Casey at the MMA Lab. So they're definitely getting it done in Arizona there. Roxanne Modafferi, what can we say about this uh, happy warrior here? She is 24 and 16. Been a longtime underdog in many fights, beating Shevchenko as well. She gave me the eyesight for that Shevchenko loss or win, by the way. I was like, hey, if Roxanne's doing this, guess what? Blonde fighter can do it too. <laughs> so uh, I think Roxanne Monteferri is just that good. <laughs> very good point. Very good point in there. Um, but again, her last biggest win being against Macy Barber four months ago where she tore out her kneecap, but still put it on her in there, losing to Jennifer Mayan a decision, beating Shevchenko. Roxanne Modafferi has definitely never been the best striker. Her takedowns have not been the best, but when she's on the ground, she's a demon. On bottom or on top, she's really throwing a lot more elbows, keeping a much heavier pace. And have you seen any of her Twitter or Instagram photos? No. Ro- or when she's dressed at, like, Comic-Con shit? Uh, no, just like her flexing. Oh, no. She's looking jacked. She got a new, she got the first uh, fitness instructor she's ever had three fights ago and has felt, said she's felt stronger and actually looks like she's learning to throw a punch a bit more at 37 years old. Both ladies are 36 and 37. Um, so I don't know. Uh, this is a dirty fight to pick because I feel like Murphy likes to get it to the ground and Modafferi will give up the takedown to throw elbows from on bottom, which is never a good look. There isn't going to be a crowd here. I got Montefiore decision. I think that even if she's on bottom, she can eventually uh, reverse because she does have some really good knee shields and uh, reversals from on bottom and end up on top and stay there. I got a dirty-ass split. I might not touch with this one with a 10-foot pole because I don't see a finish out of either one. There's a big bet stay away from me. Give me Montefiore. Who do you have? Uh, I actually went back and forth on this. I think this is going to be a dirty grind. And I think that Roxanne will become a heavier favorite toward fight time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think everyone thinks Lauren Murphy's a walkthrough or something. Granted, Mm -hmm. she probably didn't win her fight against Andrea Lee. Like, you know, like, eh, that's kind of, but Roxanne Montefiore is somebody, whereas Lauren Murphy's plateaued. Roxanne Montefiore still looks like she's getting better every time she goes out there. Not just her body, but her. Uh, her ring IQ is intelligent. Um, she really showed that to me in her last few fights, even on the loss. Like um, when she, especially off her back, she doesn't seem to take a ton of damage. Where Lauren Murphy has that Nate Diaz soft skin. So I feel like you're saying it's going to be so close of a fight, but Lauren Murphy doesn't wear damage well. And we all know that judges see that blood the entire fight. So I think Lauren Murphy's going to wear a nasty cut from an elbow or something that she takes, um, maybe inside the clinch. And um, I also think Roxanne's going to have some good kicks, some good knees up the middle. Lauren Murphy uses those good knees up the middle. I think Ron, uh, Roxanne Montefiore's going to have... Um, more strength here. And I think they're going to be comparable everywhere. You know, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man give. Yes. <laughs> That's kind totally. of what I feel like in this fight. I totally agree with you. I think it's low scoring either way. I think one person gets 45, one gets 65. 
and it's just on who the winner is, on who gets the points. But I'm going to go with Roxanne. I still think she has something to show us. It's weird. She's the older fighter. That blows me away. That Lauren Murphy's the spring chicken in this fight. I, I think we're both seeing it, that the improvements are going more to Mataferi other than uh, Murphy in this spot. She just kind of stayed the same type of fighter where we're actually seeing growth. And on DraftKings, the minus 150 favorite, Mataferi is going to be 8,500 against Murphy, 7,700 plus 120 underdog. Evil twin all over Lauren Murphy. He thinks that she's going to get the takedowns, and just stay on top for three rounds, and it'll still be a boring low score. But he thinks, uh, you know, that's uh, that's uh, that's very viable option, I feel like. With this setup, it'll be so easy to have Evil Twin on now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if cameras are uh, can really track his face all that well. He's so ugly. They tend to just blur <laughs> a little bit. He doesn't ever have to turn it on. Uh, I know Alpha, too. Alpha can come on the street. It'll be easy with all the guys to pop on now that we're doing it this way. Because even Juice and Grampy back popped on Fights of the Roundtable two weeks ago. So. Definitely opening a lot of doors for ourselves here, putting in the work and uh, figuring it out. Thank you, production. The over. production team. <laughs> the production crew getting it done. <laughs> So, do you have anything left for that last titillating bout we had? Not a titillating. At, a hun- at 155 pounds, we have a fight of the night contender with Frank Camacho coming in against Matt Steamroller. Frivola coming in. And this is one of the fights that I feel like the crowd or lack thereof is going to play the most for me because I have seen Frivola's number one secret. I've seen the trick of the trade for Frivola, and it's that crowd. It is 50 people that bought the box square that just screamed steamroller the whole time. (laughs) And the judges heard that because they're dinguses. Uh, But Frivola in here, eight, one, and one, getting a majority draw against Fanato, coming off a two-fight winning streak against Turler, last against Pena here in Florida. The Tampa, Florida native is coming out of Gracie, Tampa, training all around here. He's definitely has a high pace, solid boxing and good wrestling. Solid takedowns as well really help him uh, secure the rounds in the fight. And he's legitimately just one of these tough grinding guys that's going to stay in your face nonstop. He does get into closer decisions uh, than I think I don't know. I think he deserves to be in pretty close decisions because it's a grimy, grimy fight, but he really makes up for it and makes people look bad and people don't really uh, take that into account as much. And against Camacho here, the crank is coming in with a 22-8 and eight record coming off of a loss to Benil Dariush via submission seven months ago. Prior to that, he knocked out Hein, lost to Neil in a horrible, horrible knockout, also lost to Dudober in a decision. The crank Camacho loves to get in there and bang, Frivola likes to stay in your face, and Camacho will oblige. Camacho's takedown defense is a little suspect in this spot for me. The thing that uh, I don't know if I should be siding so much with is the power of Camacho. I think he just hits a whole lot harder than Frivola, but Frivola's slick enough that he should be able to avoid a lot of those shots. But Frivola does get hit in his fights. He's just fought a lot less guys with a lot less power. 
Um, and I think Camacho can really lean into a lot of those shots and potentially get it done in the second round. It's more of a puncher's chance because I do think that Fabola, even on the ground, has an advantage once he gets it there. But Camacho has been able to get up off of takedowns. So I think there's a close one. I don't think the crowd's there for Fabola. I think uh, it's right with the coin flip. I could wake up and switch it over tomorrow. We got to see weigh-ins. I feel like Camacho is a big guy coming out of Guam. I feel like he's he cuts a little more than Frivola. Looks more of the natural weight there, but definitely a fun one. I can't wait to watch this one. Give me that TKO round number two. Who are you going with in this for one? For Frivola? No, for Camacho. For Camacho, okay. Um, I have Frivola decision right now. I just don't mm-hmm. like uh, the way Camacho wears damage. Uh, I don't think Frivola is necessarily a knockout artist. Uh, it's just that you don't have to be to knock out Frank Camacho. Uh, I think the takedowns are going to add up here for Frivola, even though Camacho may get back up on off of them. I think it's a slow um, wear of damage, that it's a close fight, that the fight really boils down to maybe one or two takedowns at the end of two different rounds. Uh, I think the more damage might actually be done by Frank. I think he has the power here, hands down. And he really, like you're saying, without the crowd behind Steamroller for Vola, he doesn't really do so much. He kind of is a guy that's like a make Mike Perry fighter to me. Like a lot doesn't really happen in there. It seems like a lot of excitement from the crowd, but a ton of punches aren't usually thrown or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with Fervola decision. Just with age, wear and tear in the ring, and I do, I think, isn't his father his coach? Or am I thinking of a different dude? I think you're right. I think he does have his dad there with him a lot of the times. And so you're liking that narrative of the dad? I just think the trajectory of him and, you know, for the dads of MMA, if Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is the, like, one I think of when I think of an MMA dad. I think brown bear. Brown bear. That's a good tattoo. Um, so yeah, give me a Fervola decision. Um, I'm gonna stay away from this fight too. I think it's low scoring. Definitely a low scoring one. On DraftKings, you're gonna end up paying for the minus one fifteen even fighter in Fervola, eight thousand two hundred against Camacho's minus one fifteen, eight thousand even. On DraftKings, I actually am thinking I'm going to play Camacho because if he gets a TKO round number two, could be a little higher scoring. I think I am going to stay away from Frivola because if he wins, I do see it being a decision out of most options for him. So definitely still going to be a fun one. One I'm looking out for, one I'm almost as excited as much for as at 125 pounds. Flyweight division, we got Courtney Kaysen coming in against Port St. Lucie's Oh, Jillian Roberts. The Savage, getting it done out here in Florida, living hard with Dean. <laughs> Not her, Dean freaking. <laughs> Dean Lister, Lister what's his damn name? I wish I could watch that reality show. Her, Dean, and Jillian Anderson are the odd couple. <laughs> so. It's like he's all neat and she's sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I'd watch. I would definitely watch that. So the 25-year-old Floridian is 7-4, and four, coming off of a loss to Macy Barber seven months ago. Prior to that, she rattled off a two-fight winning streak against Froda and Macedo in there. But we've seen that Jillian Roberts is a live-by-the-sword, die-by-the-sword type of a fighter where she 
submits you or TKOs you or she gets submitted or TKO. She doesn't go to decision. Like, when it's time to go, she's ready to go. <laughs> but in that same vein, she will lock up a rear naked choke in a heartbeat. Um, she will definitely, as her striking has been coming along, much, much better. It, still a little hesitant when I see her strike, and it really showed up against Macy Barber, who's a much better striker than Casey. But after a few shots, you just kind of see that uh, fight drain out of Jillian Roberts a little bit. And here in this spot, I don't necessarily think that Courtney Casey has enough power to really freak Roberts out enough. But Casey is a solid fighter at 9-7. and seven. She's definitely coming off of a win against Barella submission armbar, where it was a light, highly unlikely bout. Everyone thought it was going to be a decision. She lost to Cavillo and got a win over Angela Hill in a split decision. Courtney Casey is a split decision queen. She likes to keep it standing and throws volume, but she'll miss a lot of that volume. She'll throw in the occasional takedowns and I think is in that like 40 to 50% average on the ground. She hasn't shown much of her ground game other than her last submission. Prior to that, they've all been decisions that she's ever been in. Um, but I feel like Robert has to get it to the ground to have the best advantage and I don't like her takedowns as much she does a stipping trip over the knee and Courtney Casey has shown serviceable takedown defense I have to I don't have to but I definitely think that if it stays standing it's going to be a decision to Casey uh, if it gets to the ground more than twice in this fight I think Robert's gets a submission, either a rear naked choke or an arm triangle. I'm going to go with round number two. I think first round is definitely going to be Casey's, and after that, and second round is pretty much Robertson's chance, and I think Casey takes the third. That's a really weird call. I don't know why. I'm seeing it in my head. That's what I got. So Who are you picking? Who did you pick? <laughs> Robertson submission, round number two. Okay. Um, but if it goes to decision... If it goes to decision, I think Casey wins it. Um, I think Casey decision. I think she's a really well-rounded fighter. And unfortunately for Casey, when the division started, when she was fighting, it, it was against Beast. She was fighting at 115 against people that she shouldn't have been fighting that low anyway with her build. Uh, I like Jillian Robertson hasn't really gone against too many uh, great fighters and Macy Barber walked through her probably by Kiaz. We don't know if that was like one of those early stoppage fights. I just think Courtney Casey's a really well-rounded fighter that isn't super dangerous anywhere. Jillian does have the submission advantage here, but I, I think Cynthia Cavillia is far more dangerous on the ground. I think Angela Hill's far more dangerous on the feet. Um, these close decisions and things that Casey's doing, uh, and then she got the Barella armbar. The bad thing Casey would do is for her to think she could get a submission on Jillian Anderson. That would be a negatory thing for her to do. I, I, I'm i going to go with Casey here. Ugh, it's weird. I like Jillian Anderson. It would be like my heart play to go with the Savage. But I just feel like Courtney Casey is well-rounded. I think this is going to be a boring fight. Ah. <sighs> The first like not. three minutes is going to be super exciting. And uh, I hope not. I hope it's more exciting. But yeah, I definitely see that being a real possibility. You're totally right there. 
Oh, I this is a scary fight card. <laughs> this is a very closely contested fight card. We've had a lot more lopsided, especially last week, where this we've already seen a minus one fifteen, minus one fifteen in our last bout. Like these are all super, super close. On DraftKings, you're gonna pay for the minus one forty favorite, Jillian Robertson, eight thousand three hundred <laughs> Courtney Casey's 7,900 plus 110 underdog. Uh, the, the two avenues I see either fighter getting, I definitely have made my point on that one. That one's definitely going to be a close one. Can't wait to see what happens in the night. Then we move on to the... Is this the headlighting preliminary bout? No. Uh... No, I think it's Tisha. No, it's Guida Bobby Green. Ooh, that one's so a fun two one. Cards, but two fights from now. Before we get all the way there, we're going to have to talk about Mark Berrialt coming in against Oscar Pijota at 185 pounds. This is definitely a loser leaves town, right? They're both on three fight losing streaks. They got the O's got to go. I don't know if the, any of them have. Let's see. Pihota has a couple wins in the UFC against Jonathan Wilson and Tim Williams, but last losing to Mershart submission. Vera submission doesn't look so bad. And then Siriano, TKO, six months ago. Pichota is a Danaher black belt. Absolute monster on the ground. In that Mershart fight, he was actually winning a lot of those exchanges until he just got hurt to the point of re no return. And I feel like Vieira was in the same boat where Vieira's eye was in really bad shape. And Vieira knew that if they stood that fight up, they would have called it because of the swelling. So he had to get that submission really quick. What I really didn't like in that Pulele fight is that Siriano is really just a big puncher and wasn't necess isn't necessarily as skilled, but Pichota's chin has just left us has told us everything we need to know, and he just can't eat big shots. Luckily for him in this bout, Barry Alt is a decision fighter. He is kill you by a thousand cuts, put you up against the cage, uh, grind you out, use some dirty boxing in there, use some dirty knees, but really never have that one-hitter-quitter type of power. It's just whether Pejota's chin has recuperated because it was a pretty devastating knockout when you go back and watch that one uh, against Siriano. But... Very off, three-fight losing streak as well. He has not won one at all in the UFC against Andrew Sanchez, Jutko, and Park in a decision five months ago. Definitely not that high of volume of output. He's just a grimy guy who will eat every one of your shots and just keep striking and just push you on the fence. He's just, to me, he's the type of guy that I'm surprised they've even led around for three of these fights because... Even though he lost all the other ones, he had to do a lot of anti-wrestling, but he could just never get going. And at 30 years old, at 85, I guess they're a little light in the position. Um, but here, Pejota's way better on the ground if he can get it there. The thing is, he doesn't have the best takedowns, and Barrial actually has good takedown defense. It's just that... Uh, it's that chin of Pejota. I have decision. I should probably go with Barrial decision. But there's more avenues for to finish for Pejota, but there's really one clear line that Barry Alt does, and that's Decision City. Give me Pejota decision, and I think Barry Alt gets his walking papers. This is an absolute gross one. Absolutely gross. I'm so happy that's not on the Fight Pick Championships, honestly. 
Who do you have in this one and why? You don't think Barry Alt's ever going to win in the UFC? He'll never have a winning fight in the UFC. Uh, I no. have Barry Alt decision just because mm-hmm. I don't like Pejoto's chin so much. Um, but I was like, oh, Barry Alt's not going to submit him. And he's not going to knock him out. In that case, you know I love a Polish fighter and I used to love Pechota. So I'm going to go with Pechota decision. I totally agree with you. I think the loser leaves town on this. Regardless. Regardless. So this is a slight favorite for Pejota there at 8,600 on DraftKings. So definitely the minus 135 favorite there is coming in against Barry Alt, 7,600 plus 105. Closely contested bout. We both see decision. I see it being a low scorer for 8-6. I I can't really put Pejota with an average of 51 points anywhere i don't think he's going to be able to cap that unless he gets a first round submission win which no is right an option now for me this is um a main card only uh okay. kind of card or i'm gonna stay away from it all together that's what i the keep saying every mode. week <laughs> the captain's mode is going to probably end up playing uh out have you been doing well in this captain's mode we haven't talked about it much but it's consistent i haven't done well anywhere yeah. <laughs> I feel like I haven't really done well anywhere in a few weeks. I had a really great week, and then I just kind of slowly fell off. Everyone, everyone. A lot of really three weeks out, most of these guys are having training camps. So you don't know the condition they're in. They can be coming off of a broken hand that they just never went anywhere for because they were already on a break and absolutely grossness. Another one that's going to be ridiculously close throughout the night is going to be at 115 pounds. Strawweight, we have Tisha, the tiny tornado, coming in against the Barina Van Buren. Van Break this Buren, down. Don't stop talking. I'll be right back. Van Buren is 9-2. and two. She's definitely coming off of a winning streak out of that Invicta scene. She definitely beat Caitlin Curran in a wick submission rear naked choke got it done fast but we here have always disliked Curran because she just wasn't UFC caliber but last beating Renata Souza in a decision 11 months ago the big favorite Ram Buren uh, really showed her gas tank issues after that first round and a half she really started to slow down a lot she has a ton of power and has really put that to show in early in her career hurting people uh, with those hands, but definitely the Gilroy native trading out of Ant Dog is coming along. She's definitely not had anywhere close to the level of competition of Tisha Torres, and I'm incredibly surprised that it's this wide. Tisha Torres is coming off of a four fight losing streak, but it's against Jessica Andrasha's decision, Yun Jacek decision, Zhang decision who's the current champ rodriguez who's a real contender unanimous decision 10 months ago she's definitely a 30 year old longtime veteran of all of the invicta all of that good stuff we know what we're getting with tisha torres it's going to be kickboxing serviceable takedown defense was never going to shoot a takedown in there turns everything into a kickboxing match but she she did 
win a lot of split decisions early in her career, but now that she's at the top echelon, she just is consistently plateaued. She is going to be the first leg of the couple on for this evening with Raquel Pennington, who's going to fight later on in the evening. So they both had a short training camp. The wife and the couple there is definitely um, been putting in some work on all the Instagram and stuff. And this is one of those plays that we've seen with the Delarosas, the Pettises, the Burns brothers. It's, I feel like you got to take one. Uh, it's one or the, it's not one or the other. It's both or none. So th- I feel like this is the same position. And I was thinking Buren as well, but evil twin. I feel like talked me out of this a little bit as well, because again, that four fight losing streak is against nothing but title contenders. And Van Buren went to a decision against Sousa. Who the hell is Sousa? (laughs) There's no way she could be a minus 205 favorite. Gotta go out of just respect. Gimme the tiny tornado. I think she just points out a fight. The first round is going to be the only close round. And then it's going to be Tisha Torres walking away with a point fight the entire rest of the fight. So give me the big underdog here and Tisha Torres in a decision. Who do you think you're going to end up picking? I have Tisha Torres' decision too. I do not even, I can't fathom why this number is like this. I think it's completely disrespectful on um, the part of odds makers on somebody who you can't compare Van Buren to JJ. You can't compare Van Buren to. Yeah, it's like the Wait. people that she's gone against. Yeah, like the champion. She's literally two of her last four <laughs> losses are against people who've held the belt in the division. Uh, so I like Tisha here. I don't think Van Buren's going to have anything that uh, Rocky Pennington doesn't already give Tisha. <laughs> but a boom. The old one, too. Uh, so I like your underdog pick. I totally agree uh, for all the same reasons. Um, I think this might be a slow, boring fight where it's uh, maybe mild takedown attempts here and there come around two and three, but it's just, you know, two, three punch combinations. But those two, three punches add up over three rounds. Leg kicks add up over three rounds. And I think that's how Tisha Torres is going to play it. Absolutely. Absolutely. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying a lot for Van Buren here at 9000 even. Minus 250 favorite against Tisha Torres, 7,200 plus 165 underdog. I'm going to actually need to, uh, I don't know if I'm seeing something that other people don't, but Van Buren averages with one fight, 81 points. So that's what she got in her last bout. At 9,000, she's not covering that. She has to finish in order to be anywhere close to that in the first round, right? Or have to just outscore Tisha Torres. Well, you, what it's is not going to happen. 20 or 30 of those points are her win. So she's only Great getting, point. you know, like 50 points point. a fight. So it'd be 50 points that she scores roughly, yeah. which the average for Tisha Torres is 55 points. I'm going to have 20 to 30% exposure. She's averaging 55 points and she hasn't had a win since I my grandkids were in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> I thought your grandfish, that's what you said earlier, right? <laughs> my grand, my baby grandfish when they were in school. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, <laughs> you just got it. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. 
<laughs> so anything left with that heater of about uh, uh, uh no nothing left then we go on to 155 pounds where we have clay guida coming in against the bobby king green the carpenter guida is 35 and 19 coming off of a loss to jim miller submission choke 10 months ago prior to that he beat bj penn nothing to be proud of at this point losing Dalavera, but beating joe lozon i also getting a win over eric coke uh clay guida has always been a perennial UFC caliber fighter where even in his declinedest of days, he's still UFC caliber. He'll still beat a lot of regional guys with just that pace and awkward movement. But I feel like he's been found out at 38 years old. Uh, I feel like Clay Guida's number one and two issue or not issues, but strengths were pace and chin. And it was because he would just move that head around on stop. Even if he ate the hit, he would still enter on the takedown and be able to usually complete it there. But we've been seeing him as of late, not able, not able to eat those initial shots. He just gets too rocked. He can't finish the takedown. And he eventually gets hurt and gives up the submission. But it's really set up by those hands. And Bobby Green here is one of these guys who will always absolutely let you down. He also has his hands incredibly <laughs> low. He will always say you missed every single strike, talk it up in there, and lose the fight instead of actually fighting in there. But in this position, uh, I feel like it's full fade mode on Clay Guida right now. Bobby Green's always had sneaky power. He's always been able to take massive amount of damage as well and ultra serviceable um, on the ground. I don't believe he holds any belts, but Bobby Greenman is more than proven that he is a capable grappler. So... I think it's just, again, full fade mode on Guida, and I think it's TKO round number two. I could even move it up to one. It's it, it, Bobby Green I don't put up against many other guys on their way up, but Clay Guida is not that at this point in his career. I hope he actually steps away soon. I don't want to see him take too much more damage in there. I love you, Clay Guida. Give me Bobby Green TKO. Who do you have? Oh, my goodness. I just think the only way – Clay Guida seems to lose as if somebody can get him down and keep taking him down. And even guys, even though he's only going against guys in their twilight of their career and, you know, he lost to Charles Oliveira and now we've really seen Charles Oliveira since that point be on a mad tear title contender. Uh, he's like next level kind of guy. And then he got submitted to Jim Miller, which I think he completely was not expecting. It was a lot. It was a disrespect for a minute of like he thought Jim was almost going to stand and bang on the takedown. I don't think Bobby gonna, Green's going to snatch him up like that. Um, ugh, Clay Guida's a scary guy here. If Bobby Green wants to stand and bang with Clay Guida, I think it's bad news for Bobby Green. Uh, I think Clay Guida rocks him. I think this is one of those crazy fights. I, give me the caveman KO round two. I don't like I don't like what Bobby Green's done in the UFC for me. And I don't think Clay Guida look has looked that bad. I know know what you're saying where he gets rocked and he does that. I almost think that's his Derek Lewis weird thing. Sometimes he or legitimately he's gets hurt. Yeah, where it's like, oh I'm so you know Yeah, but he gives up the fight is his issue yeah. when he does that. I know. He'll let you down, man. Bobby Green, let, let a boy down. So don't expect him to be right there fighting with you. He will be in the car like, later, dude. <laughs> yeah. Not really. I bet you he'd stand and bang. But I'm just saying, uh, don't 
don't put your money in think it's a sure thing on Bobby Green. But a lot of people are putting their money on Bobby Green here. Decided favorite out of the two guys here. You're going to end up paying for the minus 225 favorite, 9,100 against Clay Guida's plus 175, 7,100. Do you think in your decision play you're going to be playing Quay Guida here? I don't have a decision. I have a knockout. I'm looking at it, and it's not like Bobby Green's chinny, but the guys that he goes against aren't throwers. Chernaldo has heavy hands. He went to unanimous decision and lost to Chernaldo. Clay Guida doesn't have the output, um, but I think he has a better gas tank than Chernaldo. Ugh. I don't like any of these fights. <laughs> They're all so hard to pick. I know. It's, yep. I don't think I've ever picked Clay Guida once in my life. That's probably a good thing. I know. Why don't I want to pick Bobby Green here? Trinado looked like a slayer in his last fight. I like Jerkar close a year and a half ago on the come up. I can't go all I the think, way. Yeah, go on. I think I know why. It's because I, I want to fade both of these guys. Any other option, I would easily fade both of them. But against each other, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Does Bobby Who's Gray more... not do anything for points? He's got 62 points on average in multiple fights, as does Clay Guida with 58 points. So Did they're Bobby pretty comparable Green there. lose this in Brazil to Ronaldo? I believe that might have happened. I'm I changing to Bobby Green decision. Oh, it's definitely it's definitely the odds are off, I feel like, but maybe not because I got a TKO. So it's a full of fade train. There's a lot of fades on this entire card. I'm getting faded over here. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I know. It's so nerve wracking to even think what's coming up. I can't believe we have to do the fight big championships on this card. Right. I'm going to put 10% of Bobby Green, no Clay Guida, by the way, on my DraftKings. Do you think you're going to play any of it on DraftKings that last bout? Ugh. I feel sick about it right now. I don't even know. <laughs> I rightfully so. I know. Rightfully I'm going to so. stay away from it. I'm going to stay away from the entire prelims on my DraftKings. Okay. Yeah. So then we we definitely get into the business then. We should drop the business. Welcome back, and we're on to the main card, better known as the Fight Picks Championships, where you can catch all the fun. We're going for that belt in against MMA Marks, who's putting on the show for us. We've been blabbing about it for a long time here. It really turns up. It's the game within the game. We're going for that belt, and it has definitely made just things a little funner here amongst the community, and it's bumped up. I feel like all of our streams, so we definitely appreciate everyone on there. But either way, any shout-outs you want to send to those guys who have been killing it lately? Uh, winning the last I think uh, Ricky and Buddy from MMA Marks ended up like one and two last week. Um, mm -hmm. Also, gosh, I think Backlog might have had a good week last week. I don't have them uh, pulled think... up. I could pull them up on my uh discord right now and world wine federation out. came in third i think the big e over here oh, see so how i totally avoided world winning federation <laughs> so it's definitely uh okay i'm gonna i'll give the exact things 
So oh, for no. week 23 of the Fight Pick Championship, which anyone curious about how to take part in the Fight Pick Championship uh, next season, it will definitely will not be 23 weeks long. But it is first place was MMA Marks and Grampy back with 60 points. Uh, Ricky was in second place with 55. World Winning Federation Alpha was in 50 point, uh, third with 50 points. You uh, sitting in fourth with 40. Uh, Juice um, from Fighting With Myself podcast, uh, 35 points in fifth place. Uh, I got sixth place. I only got 25 points. I got one hot 25, nothing else right. Uh, backlog, oh. um, never mind. I was given backlog shout outs that he shouldn't have gotten. He only got five points. And Dar <laughs> Smokes, I don't know if he turned in his card. I don't know if he got everything wrong or if he didn't turn it in. So, and then real quick for the standings of the FPC Fight Pick Championship. And you guys, you can come over to our Discord and probably join and follow all this stuff over on the MMA Mark server. But Alpha right now has 1,025 points in first place. <laughs> I like your face on it. Um, I have 1,000 points even, so I'm 25 points behind in second place. Ricky has 905 points in third place. Buddy has 860 points in fourth place. And you have 815 points in fifth place. And that's what, well, we won't mention anybody else. You don't get mentioned in this list if you're less than E. Um, <laughs> so that's, make, that's doable. Hot 25 for you. I got to get a couple in a row there, but... It's a lot tighter than people think. We are getting in the stretch of things. We're going to end up having a nice belt hanging up somewhere here soon over in the Lab B studios. You better believe that. You Ricky. better get you some of that. <laughs> Ricky's closing in the gap. He definitely is filling the crevice a little bit there. So good for him. Picking I know. Some good and ones. if you guys do Twitch, you guys should check out all their streams. And Alpha, I watched him last night eat a ghost pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I caught the replay. It looked like a painful experience. I tell you what. <laughs> so you would. I know he said if he sends these ghost peppers over, I told him we'd eat one on the stream. Oh my! They're not ghost goodness. peppers. They're ghost pepper beef jerky. But for some reason, I feel like that might be worse. Absolutely. <laughs> it seems like oh. your body would process a real pepper quicker than beef jerky. <laughs> I don't think my toilet can handle that. I'm just saying I don't have one of those lava toilets installed because that's what's going to happen. And how he was saying farts of the round butthole for fights of the round table. <laughs> it would make you fire farts of the round butthole Absolutely. if you eat fire jerky. I, does not sound like a fun time at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, yeah. What is a fun fight or a fun time is definitely the main card we're gonna have the captain's mode here we didn't have it profiled it much but it's definitely gonna play a role here in the main card it's gonna be five bouts and we're gonna end up starting it off with roosevelt roberts coming in against jim miller and as we were saying before earlier on in the night the full fade train fade train is in full effect and jim miller is on that train roosevelt roberts coming off of two hyped fights being 10 and one Last beating Yokolev and Weaver two month or two weeks ago in a submission in the second round, their rear naked choke. But Roberts really showing off his striking acumen, always having that ultra nasty guillotine. And but don't get it twisted, 
Jim Miller is a savage on the ground. I've definitely underestimated him before against these bigger, taller guys thinking he wasn't going to be able to take him down. And he definitely shut up Gonzalez very quickly in the rear naked choke in Florida, last beating Clay Guida, and then last losing to Hot Sauce Holtzman four months ago. And I think that's where this line has really come from because Hot Sauce Holtzman was able to stuff the takedowns for Miller, and then Miller's striking just kind of completely went away after that second round. Uh, well, starting after that first round, Guida was done into the second, and he gave a good first round showing, but he really proved that if he can't get it to the ground, his striking has really not grown as much as his ground game has at 36 years old. The longtime veteran has an uphill, uphill battle here. I think Roosevelt Roberts can keep it striking, and if he does, he should run away with this fight. But if Jim Miller gets a takedown, I don't think that guillotine's good enough to submit Jim Miller. And if Roosevelt Roberts goes for that guillotine and gives up the takedown, Jim Miller will snatch up a rear naked choke in the first round. So I think this one's super volatile. I think it needs to be way closer than it is. I do have Roosevelt Roberts with the TKO in this spot. I do like his hands and what he's doing in there. But I'm going to have exposure as far as DraftKings on both of these guys because I think Miller's a super live dog here. And if you like him, plus money, this much money, that's a got to be play. But I'm going with Roberts. Finish round two. Who are you picking and why in this one? I agree with you. I well, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think Jim Miller's a live dog, and I am worried that Roosevelt Roberts is going to play around too much on the ground, and Jim Miller is actually going to be the guy with more strength, even, even though Roosevelt Roberts has the length. I'm going to give Roosevelt, give Roosevelt Roberts the decision because I think he ends up on top more, but I think this is a very, very dangerous fight for him, and because it's not a striking battle and you don't have to worry about Jim Miller's um, – hands i think that's where it gets really um uh that, that's where jim miller is not in any kind of danger and because he's not in any kind of danger it makes jim miller dangerous um so give me robert's decision but i think this ends up being uh, a battle of inches where to people that don't know anything about the ground it looks boring like they're stuffed and stifled and in held spots but it's going to be like wrist control and uh you know, small stuff where you're like, he needs to turn to the left. He needs to turn to the right. He needs to step over here. You know, those little kind of things that only somebody who's actually grappled are going to understand. Absolutely in there. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 260 favorite, Roosevelt Roberts, 9,200 against Jim Miller, 7,000. Even the plus 200 underdog definitely has got a little bit of life in there. But again, uphill battle for him in that one interesting on how that's factored into the fight into the captain mode that i was trying to bring up earlier you have a decision for roberts so do you think as far as DraftKings in general you're going to be playing it on either that captain's mode or anywhere else um i i could see myself playing roberts on a captain's mode he's he's a sneaky little play um, I, I, I really feel like I haven't figured that captain's mode out yet. Mm -hmm. How do you, what do you think uh, it's about the, it? Uh, as far as the captain's mode, I definitely feel like there's other spots for higher, uh, finish potential here, even though Roberts is one of those guys on my short end, like he's, 
he's likely to get a finish as is Miller compared to a couple other bouts. Uh, so he's someone I'm going to look at, but uh, there's a couple other spots I feel like I'm going to be more. And for 9,200, it's a little bit steep against this big of a veteran. It's going to be minimal exposure, and it's only now it's going to go 10 and 10% uh, just because of the price tag for Roberts. But Miller, he's live dog, and for 7,000, I might even go in that 20% because if he gets a win, it's going to be a submission. So interesting 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 about to start off the main card <laughs> then we go into a ultra close bat at 175 pounds with lyman good coming in against belial remember the name muhammad the 16 and three fighters coming off of a two fight winning streak last beating curtis melender in a decision and sato in a submission nine months ago prior to that losing to jeff neal in a decision where he was i mean 30 25 in there there was multiple 10 8 rounds showed us that gritty gritty chin of the 31 year old in there rufus is he a rufus sports standout guy rufus sport but uh definitely uh Belial has shown that he can eat a good punch and constantly keep shooting a takedown, put a game plan together, and really showed us a really versatile fighter because his striking has gotten better. He's not really the knockout type of a guy, but he will put that pace on you and get that TKO late in that third round. And stylistically, this is one of the nightmares that Liam Liam Good has to worry about. The former Bellator champion in the UFC has had a mixed record getting suspended for steroids, coming back, losing to Damian Maia in a submission, beating Ren Counter in a TKO seven months ago, and then last dropping about, was it a month ago, for testing positive for COVID-19? He was ordered to stay indoors and got better and is now That immune. was Belial? No, that was l- good. Good? Oh, I forgot about him. I thought there was somebody. Oh, I thought it was Souza or maybe both. Souza did, and he actually just got cleared uh, to start to compete again, I think, a couple days ago. So they're the only ones we know of that have tested positive so far. Other than Heinish's, no, coach, but that was unfounded. So he didn't have it. But uh, just external factors with good. He was in a training camp, was going to fight, and then it got pulled. And he's one of these guys that 170 pounds. He's jacked. He's seven foot even, but he it's unbelievable that he makes it to 170. I do feel like it affects him. After that first round, Good's output decreases dramatically. His power's still there, but his combinations, everything just slows down a lot. You can really see that muscle take a toll on him. And uh, he's really most viable in that first round where he can really put you out very quickly in here. And against round counter, who's willing to be a punching bag, he showed him that it was not a good idea. And Muhammad has that ability of just kind of eating punches and get for the takedown. So I actually have an ultra controversial call. I can't pick it here, but I am going to make a bet on this. And I think that good actually gets a 10-8 first round. I think he gets a knockdown or two on Muhammad. And then Muhammad gets the next two rounds fairly easily with a lot of takedowns and just grinding, grinding. So I got a 29-29, but give me majority decision. Belial Muhammad, remember the name, remember the bet. I'm going to be putting some money on that draw. You better believe it. 
I also have uh, Belil Muhammad by decision. I think uh, Lyman Good's going to come out with a really rough round and blow his wad in the first round with tons of power, tons of explosion mm-hmm. uh, right away in the first three and four minutes, except Belil Muhammad can take a beating. He can turtle up. He has a, a good body, so he'll take a lot of shots to the body. He'll eat a lot of shots to his arms, and then he'll turn up the volume for the rest of the fight and take over. So I think I think it is going to be um, 29-28 Belial Muhammad decision. I love it. I love it. Super close fight. It is going to be what's the betting line on this one. We have Belial Muhammad minus 150 favorite against 9,800 against goods 7,300 plus 120 underdog. In a decision, I don't think I'm going to be playing. This is one of those fights that I, if there's someone I play DraftKings-wise, it's going to be good because he has the more knockout potential. And Muhammad, with a win, average 68 points. I think he barely gets there for 8-9. I just don't see him being able to get that type of money for me. So I think the play as far as DraftKings is going to be good for me. And this is one of those sneaky captain plays that I can see because the volatility and the power of good, I could put him in my captain's spot. If he shits the bed, of course, he doesn't win anything, but if he if he gets a first-round KO, I don't think a lot of people are going to have him on there, and he definitely has that ability. And it, Yeah, I just, just think the... With the exception of Damian Maya, the, his, mm-hmm. it, it, the people that he's gone against are nowhere near the people that... Uh, you're right has gone against he's one of those guys that's really built with a nice body (laughs) that you just want to be like oh he should be able to win fights uh but he does come out and blow his wad pretty quickly absolutely absolutely in there do you think you're gonna have any exposure to either one of those guys i always remember the name muhammad (laughs) i always always remember the name i always put him on my DraftKings. So 8,900 going that way to that bout. Then we move on to 135 pounds where we have Raquel Pennington, the other half of that tiny tornado coming in against Marianne Renault. The school teacher is 43 years old. She's been on break for a little while now because of all the COVID stuff coming off of a two fight losing streak. The nine and five fighter is a year removed from losing the Katsangano and last losing to Yana Kunitskaya in a decision a year, three months ago. And going back and watching those fights, man, was it some rough studying right there, boy. Uh, when she, Marion Renault can't get the takedown, she definitely lacks in the striking enough that fights just get away from her. On the ground, she is ultra nasty. Being a black belt there, great. Uh, just ground control, even off of her back. When women take her down, uh, they really find themselves in there with an octopus. Now, that's the problem with Renault, though, is that ladies already figured out, don't let her take me down, and Kuninskaya is going to get a decision in there because uh, Renault's striking just slows down so much into that third round. The output's just not there. Her clinch game has gotten better, and she has good knees on the inside. But Renault's just losing to lower level. Even Katzengano was on her way out a year ago. So definitely losing to the much lower level of competition where Pennington 
have been really iffy on lately. She's eight, ten and eight, coming off of a loss to Holly Holm in a decision prior to that, beating Irene Aldana split decision, losing to Darren Damian Nunes TKO. Pennington almost lost her leg, came back, has had a wishy-washy UFC run, but it's again been only against like the top five, top ten caliber type of fighters, and she has a very basic game plan. Sprawl and brawl. If you try to take her down, she'll get that calf catcher, cow catcher on you. She uh, is really strong with the takedown defense, but she really just likes to stand straight up and in the clinch she likes to be pushing you into the fence and just kind of grinding out decisions the knockouts just haven't been coming for pennington because she just doesn't have that ability of power but she is definitely tough in there i don't want to pick this fight because it is so absolutely gross uh i do think that pennington can keep it standing and for that reason i gotta give her a decision but this is so disgusting. Uh, we have seen Pennington take t- Pennington taken down, and she is able to get up multiple times, and that's where I think that's even a saving grace. If Renault gets one or two takedowns, she'll be so gassed that the rest of the fight will just kind of uh, be a pitter-patter, back-and-forth decision type of a fight. Give me Pennington decision. <laughs> I actually am... I, I know you say it's one or none, but uh, Rocky's just not doing it for me lately. I think she'd just mm-hmm. go to collect a check, and I don't think her ego's involved as much. It, it would, it's just like, whatever. I think she sees herself more as the Tiny Tornado's coach at this point than she does a fighter. Uh, Marion Renault is still weirdly hungry, makes for a boring fight, makes for a boring grind. You think Rocky Pennington should be able to beat this uh, or beat her, uh, but the way Holly Holm handled her by just holding her up against a cage... That is exactly what I see Marion Renault doing. If Holly Holm can do that, then uh, Marion Renault definitely can. So uh, give me Marion Renault by a very low scoring decision. Absolutely. The minus 140 favorite, Raquel Pennington, is going to be 8,800 in there against Renault's. 7,400 plus 110 underdog. We both see a split decision. We both see a super low scorer here. I definitely am going to have a big fat stay away from this one. Super gross night of fights in some spots. There is some gems in there, but uh, this one is definitely going to be like the main event last week. (laughs) I want to, before we get into the co-main and main, um, just since it is the first time we're doing it this way, I feel like we froze Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And so I want to reset up that stream for it real fast. And then I'm going to make sure this audio is saved and, um, but you can just stay right there. So just hold on one second before we go into that. Okay. Hey guys, Chaney here. Just stopping in real fast to remind you to hit the like and subscribe. Also, make sure you follow us on all platforms at LATV underscore MMA. That's right. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, you can find us at LATV underscore MMA. If you need a little more Emmanuel, you can find him on most platforms at Zoltanite, including Twitch. And you can find me on all platforms at Weakneck Baby. So, 
Thank you for listening and back to the show. Car he was throwing rocks at online. It worked that time. <laughs> it just worked that maybe time. They, We're alive. Maybe now. they just won. <laughs> so the co main event. Yeah, you know how that, whatever. <laughs> it's going to be a little sloppy this time. <laughs> We're doing it live. Okay, we're doing it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> so the co main event of the evening is going to end up going. Two, Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos, a sneaky fight of the night contender in here at 145 pounds. We have a gun show ahead of us. These boys are going to be slinging it hot, and somebody is going to go night-night. <laughs> Shane Burgos is 13-3. and three. <laughs> Coming off a three-fight winning streak, only losing to Calvin Cater. And that's coming back and beating Kurt Hollibaugh, Cub Swanson, and Amir Khan in a TKO seven months ago. Burgos has really just shown outstanding boxing. Adam Monroe, New York. I do believe he was training in Boston for a while. I don't know why I'm thinking that. Tiger Shulman guy, but I know he's jumped around. Uh, I could be off on that Boston link for Burgos there. But either way, uh, we get some really clean boxing with this young man. Great takedown defense on the ground. He's not really shown us too much submission stuff. Some guillotines in there, but more reactionary than anything. Uh, he really likes to keep it standing. I believe he has 98% takedown defense, does Shane Burgos. So wow. definitely somebody who can keep a fight where he wants to specifically. And boy, does he love to bang in there. But he has proven against slicker straight boxers, he can get put out. And in Josh Emmett, we have none of that. He is absolutely a looping puncher in there. The 15-2 and two fighter is coming in with a two-fight winning streak, last beating Mursak Bektik, prior to that beating Michael Johnson, and before all of that, losing to Jeremy Stevens with an illegal knee in Florida over two years ago. Emmett had a long break between then. Going back and watching that Michael Johnson fight, Michael Johnson did a Michael Johnson, where he won three minutes and or three rounds and four minutes of that fight, and then got knocked out in the last minute because he let, he didn't cross his I's or T's in there. So Emmett has that one-punch right hand. Uh, his left hook is actually pretty sneaky. It steps up that right hand as well, but he really moves in linear to me, does Emmett. He's ultra-explosive uh, and really a blitz, guys, but if you just are more the matador, against the bull in there, Josh Emmett will kind of move in that bull mentality where he'll keep going on a straight line and you can just kind of circle. And Burgos has those pivoting steps for days in that boxing realm. He just has all of that. The likely guy to try to get this to the ground is going to be Emmett, and it's probably once he starts losing some of these exchanges. Uh, but Burgos, again, has good enough takedown defense to keep it up. You got to be live. You got to respect the power of Emmett, especially what we've seen him do multiple times in there, that uh, it's really a puncher's chance. And I've bet on that in a few other spots tonight. But in this spot, I just feel like that Qatar knockout for Burgos was accumulation of really good picked apart shots. And Emmett doesn't do that. He puts his head down, runs in with three, four, five shots, and then a right finish it off where Burgos I think is really just going to catch and pitch and uh, I had decision for Burgos but the more I'm thinking about it I'm liking a TKO round number three huh. Shane Burgos 
Give me the minus 140 favorite here. Who do you have in this one? Gosh, you know, I've gone back and forth, and Burgos is a guy that is totally on the up in the division. I think he can do all the same damage to the same spot that's already been exploited on Emmett um, and his broken orbital cheekbone thing. Uh, I think kind mm-hmm. of uh, Shane Burgos can land all the same things. Josh Emmett is a heavy puncher, though. He's a strong dude, and he's going to be dangerous for those first two rounds. I had Josh Emmett KO round two for this. I actually um, just saw his heavy hands eventually uh, taking apart Qatar. I, and I also don't love some of the old Burgos's game or some of his old fights but his last fight against americani it's like oh Mm -hmm. that's so much faster than josh emmett so it's speed versus power kind of deal i'm switching my mind i'm gonna go with shane burgos and um i think i'm gonna keep uh the knockout in round two i think he's gonna do everything right put enough together i think he you know as much as it was a legal knee uh, with Jeremy Stevens, he was piecing him up at the end of that. He was piecing him up at the Jeremy end of that Stevens fight. was. Yeah, Jeremy Stevens was, was piecing right. up. Right, uh, I agree. So as go much back as, and watch a jump fight. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Burgos. I think he's just the faster guy on the up right now, and I think Josh Emmett's kind of hit his plateau. I absolutely agree with you there. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 140 favorite, 8,700 for Shane Burgos against Josh Emmett, 7,500 minus or plus 115 underdog. So pretty close lines there. I'm actually surprised. Uh, there's a lot of other fighters that are priced up above 9,000 that I don't think as high of a potential to finish as Shane Burgos. So this is one of those guys I was talking about as well for captain mode. He's worth every cent there. He's going to be cheaper for the captain, and he has the real potential to get over that like 115 type range, which he's proven with an average of 92 points. Yeah, I think so too. And unless it's just like that one sneaky power shot, I don't see how Josh Emmett wins that. Great point. Uh, I am going to hedge my bets here, though, because we are giving that respect to Emmett. So I am going to have a couple, probably not my captains as much, but even on my other cards, there'll be a couple hedges with Emmett. Are some you going to play guys. heavy this week? I think uh, 10 to 15 cards. So not as heavy as some of the pay-per-views where I'll go 30 to 40 cards in there. So maybe in that 10 range because I agree this is really, really close, but there's money to be made in some of the, I feel like we've talked about some really good plays yeah. that have high potential to finish and a lot of really bad ones where it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, just stay clear of these fights. These ones are not good to pick out. So it's a fun, it's a fun fight night. It's definitely funner than last week when I was looking, when I was really looking at. Yeah, especially even paper. the co-main and main here right now Absolutely. compared to the Jessica Fribola, I. Camacho, Jillian Roberts. There's some fun, fun names. So I'm definitely excited for this Saturday to come around quicker, faster than later by any means necessary in there. So then we move on to the main event at 265 pounds. Oh, the beautiful audio is finally kicking in. The studio's coming in. Coming in, <laughs> <laughs> coming <laughs> in hot. <laughs> so the 
265ers in here are definitely standouts in the division. We have Alexander Volkov coming in at 31 and 7, last winning against Greg Hardy in a five round decision seven months ago. Prior to that, losing to Derek Lewis in a one sided beating until the last seconds of that entire fight. So Volkov also beating Verdum was a Bellator champion as well in there. He definitely is a heavyweight that. Uh, is going to give a lot of people trouble at 31 years old. I'm still surprised at how young he is. His Muay Thai has always been absolutely on point. Beautiful knees, beautiful clinch. Um, his takedown defense has been serviceable. At heavyweight, he hasn't had to deal with it much, uh, but he has been able to get taken down. And once he's on his back, he's not able to get up so well. And after a few times, he's just kind of given up positions on the ground. But every fight starts striking and Volkov has a very sneaky little switch knee in there that against wrestlers has always scared me. It hasn't played too much in there, but uh just something that I did notice uh with the just sneaky craftiness of Volkov. I really like Tibet Volkov and I feel like he's really shown out for me a lot of times, even though with that Derek Lewis loss, but somebody that I've never picked against ever, I even picked them against Nganu. Both you know that yeah. about me. And it's the only ones we've I've gotten wrong. It's the only ones. Every single other one I've been right. <laughs> so Razor Blades coming off a three-fight winning streak. Last beating Willis. Last knocking out Akhnorahimov and Dos Santos four months ago. And I feel like that this is why this line is so incredibly wide. Is because going back and watching that Dos Santos fight, Dos Santos is on the tenure of his career, but he's still a top 10 um heavyweight in there and blades not only systematically picked them apart uh with the takedown games but his striking came along and it's because guys are finally getting so worried about his takedowns that he starts throwing and he's knocking dudes out or knocking them down and able to just keep up that high pace the team elevation he's got over alistair overeen as his main training partner over there getting that high elevation training he's proven that he can go five rounds three rounds and just keep shooting out takedowns already on set to pace to break records as well, especially in the heavyweight division with his wrestling, his blades. But uh, he's really just shown that he used to be just a wrestler and he'd hold you in a position. And now he's actually using that wrestling where he's grabbing the wrist, throwing that uh, ropes, rapid punches until you make a bad move and give up a position or he just lands a ground and pound, but his hands even though they've gotten better, are not as good as Vol- Volkov's. In all that, I just think it's a takedown clinic, and Volkov just kind of survives until either the ref calls it off or he goes out, but I do think it's due to that ground and pound, and I think there's a lot of takedowns to be had in this fight and a lot of just position and advances, advances and rabid punches that will be counted for Blades. I see him winning this all over. I wish the line was a little bit closer because I do think it's a little ridiculous, at this point, but uh, I'm going to be excited to watch this one. This is a really fun heavyweight fight, even though a lot of people have it going only one way. How do you see it finishing? TKO round number three. I could even see myself going into that round number two just after three or four takedowns and just four minutes of top control. Volkov will just kind of be shrimping, and then he'll eat an elbow or two that just kind of shut the lights out there. 
Gosh, I have three and I just moved it to four, but I, I, I almost want to move it back to three since we're both splitting there. Um, mm -hmm. Curtis Blades is just that much better than Alexander Volkov. And Alexander Volkov, the, the, the level of people that he's gone up against in his last few fights are not that top echelon, top five guys that Curtis Blades is making easy work of. Easy work. Like you were saying, that Dos Santos fight... I never saw that going down like that. And no. uh, the thing you were saying about his wrestling with his like wrist control, I feel like, and I don't want to put like every wrestler doing this, but it's just the happened to be the fighter that pointed it out They're to me. It. No, but the uh, the way that Khabib sits on both legs and then pulls that wrist down, sits on both legs and pulls that wrist down. I noticed somewhere in the past year and a half. Curtis Blades really implementing mm -hmm. that into his game plan, like maybe even watching Khabib and being mm -hmm. like, why am I not doing that? I have that whole entire game plan. And once he started to dominate control like that on the ground, we always saw him get the guys down. He just wasn't keeping them there or doing anything with it. And that was a change of game for Blades where I'm like, oh, I see mm -hmm. what you see. Um, I just don't see Alexander, I don't see him as a well-rounded UFC fighter. He has okay takedown defense, but he's going up against guys that have zero, like, shitty takedowns. Um, he's not going up mm -hmm. against that top echelon heavyweight that is going to get you down. And I, who has better takedowns in the heavyweight division than Curtis Blades? Um, so here's the chance to test your mettle. I, I got uh, Blades um, getting him down. Um uh, I can see him standing up on top of him and kind of punching up while he's sitting on his ass, like turtled up. Uh, but I think it's a doctor wave off just by like, even where we might have to say it a few times, like, oh, the ref should call this. Oh, the ref should call this. But Volkov is going to be too tough for his own good kind of fight. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Give me blades everywhere on that. I, I totally agree as well. I could see it being a doctor stoppage just kind of like, all right. It's, you know, you've had enough, big guy. On DraftKings, the biggest favorite of the night, you're going to end up paying for Razor Blades, 9,400 for the minus 300 favorite against Volkov, 6,800 plus 230. Now, I like to hedge my bets against most spots, but I really don't see any value here because I would still put Blades in that minus 200 range of a favorite. So I just, it's Blades or nothing here. Do feel like I'm going to have a lot of other spots that are closer and I'm going to be able to afford blades and I'm going to have to actually try to back off of him a little bit because um, I see a lot of exposure going his way as well but I think that TKO I like him as your champion I think he's comfortably oh, over like 100 that. points I like that the only hard thing is that he's going to be the most expensive everywhere because yeah. he is yeah. Um, you're going to have to pay up a lot for it, but it's doable in there. Uh, there's definitely some underdog spots, but it's going to be a little light as far as DraftKings and bets come around. I think we got some fun ones in there. I got a draw coming up. So um, I want to give a couple there's... of shout outs. One person, because we had to restart the stream, so I couldn't get it. But Mr. Anonymous at the beginning helped with our audio and let me know that our my audio wasn't on all the way right at the beginning. So shout out to Mr. Anonymous. Also, um, Neil, the security, um, he uh, put in our stream a longtime sub here. Glad I could catch you all live, which, hey, wow. this is literally the first time we've ever done this. <laughs> so glad you could catch <laughs> us, too. Hopefully there's more to come. And it should be usually Wednesday nights. This should work actually better for our, our schedules that we could meet up when it's like it. Yep. Yeah. So and we might have guests. 
I think this frees us up for a lot of potential. Awesome. Definitely loving it. Uh, Any longtime fans, thank you guys so much. It's always just such an honor to be like, oh, awesome. People have been listening to us for a while. (laughs) It doesn't feel like in vain sometimes. (laughs) It just feels like you're so normal when you're walking in the grocery store with your mask on (laughs) that no one recognizes you. (laughs) I'm blessed in that way. Definitely. (laughs) I I go up to every lady with white hair and I'm like, mom? Mom and the ladies are like, I'm not your mother. <laughs> so definitely a ton of fun. I really like this setup. I think we're going to grow a lot here and definitely been fun that everyone's got to come with us. Yeah, I can't wait. And, um, you know, we drop a few commercials. We'll be making some a couple of more little ones where you can follow us. Uh, but we're both checking out Twitch. And uh, if you are live streaming, that's that Weakneck Baby and Zoltanite everywhere. You can find us and uh, thanks for following us along this far. And, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but I think we're going to have the best 2020 ever. (laughs) That's all I have to say. (laughs) That's all I got.